I want you to put your hand up, don't speak out loud, if you think there's a favourite child in your family. (laughs) Now keep your hand up. Keep your hand up if you think you are the favourite child in the family. Okay. Hands down. Can you guys move over there, please? Now's the time for listening, not talking. Thank you. Over on the side then. You go. Off you go. Yes. Well, we all know parents and guardians are not supposed to have a favourite. Right? If you ask them, they'll probably say, I love all my children equally. Well, researchers in America put this to the test. They went round and they asked parents and guardians, do you have a favourite child in your family? And what percentage do you reckon admitted this? It wasn't 0%, it wasn't 1%, it wasn't 5%, but 70% of parents and guardians admitted to these researchers that they had a favourite child. And the extra bit of good news from this study is that it's most likely to be the eldest. So any eldest children in the house? I didn't realise that would create such anarchy. (laughs) Alrighty. Now that's a little bit of a funny example of tonight's topic, favouritism. But in real life, when people actually show favouritism, it can be really hard. I'm sure we've all probably been in a situation where someone's treated you differently compared to someone else. And it can be really painful. And I think, unfortunately, teenagers are the most brutal at this. We've all been in situations where we've been left out of a friend group. We weren't invited to that party. Maybe someone judged us based on our appearance or our body shape. And it's really tough. And I think for some of you guys who are on social media, it makes it even more difficult because you can see the events that you weren't invited to. You can be kicked out of group chats. And it's just really difficult. But there is a solution to this issue. And that's that God's family doesn't have favourites. In God's family, through Jesus, everyone, no matter their income, their ability, what family they grew up in, can come into God's kingdom and God's family. And today, our big idea on the next slide is that favoritism is not okay. It's inconsistent. It's wrong for those who have faith in Jesus. And so that brings us to our first point from tonight's passage that Elise so wonderfully read out for us, is that Jesus does not show favoritism, so neither should we. Have a look at James 2 verse 1. My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, must not show favoritism. It's pretty clear, pretty straightforward, right? But I think it's interesting here that he says, our glorious Lord Jesus Christ. Because you'd think in this context, maybe he'd say, believers in our fair 
Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. Or believers in our just Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. But he says glorious. And I think that's because when we show favoritism, when we are biased towards groups of people, it's because we give one person or a group of people too much glory. We put them on a pedestal at the same height or above Jesus. We elevate them based on a criteria in our minds. Maybe we treat people differently because of their looks or their popularity or a relationship that they're in. And it's usually also because we feel insecure about that thing, that we're treating someone differently because we're insecure about that issue. But guys, if we truly saw the beauty, the glory, the worth of Jesus, everyone else would look small. Everyone else would look equal. Jesus is the great leveler. It's kind of like the brightness of the sun compared to the little flame on a few birthday cake candles, right? Jesus should be so bright and so brilliant and so glorious that everyone else pales in comparison. And so then James, I don't know if you heard it, goes on to give this illustration, which is going to come up on the next slide, but I'm going to modernize it a little bit so you guys can watch it, um, read it on there. But I'm going to adapt it for us in a modern situation. So here I go. Suppose a young man from the local private school comes to youth group wearing his Nike Jordans, he has a fresh cut, he has an iPhone 12. And suppose another girl comes to youth group from the local public school and she's socially awkward and her clothes have a stain on them. Suppose both these people come to youth group. If you show special attention to the good-looking guy, you introduce yourself, you show him around, you make him feel welcome, and you ignore the socially awkward girl, have you not discriminated amongst yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? So James's point here is that Jesus does not show favourites, doesn't have favourites. So we shouldn't have them either. Favoritism is not okay for those who have faith in Jesus Christ. Now, why is that? Well, it's because Jesus died to save every kind of person. He saves every person who puts their trust in him. Doesn't matter what they've done. Doesn't matter where they grew up. Doesn't matter what their life looks like now. One pastor I listen to, he makes this joke that a bunch of Christians in the Bible probably would not be able to be hired at most of our local churches. Like their background checks wouldn't be cleared. But to Jesus, those things don't matter. He forgives our past, he forgives us our sins, and he washes us clean. So then how wrong would it be for us to go and judge those people when Jesus has given us so much? He's given us this grace and this mercy. So how does kind of this story and this idea apply to you guys? Well, it means that we don't show favourites, right? Think about who you hang out with at youth group. Maybe it's just the people you're really comfortable with and your close friends. When we meet together for youth groups to worship Jesus as a community, we should be welcoming every kind of person. Maybe there's someone you could invite into your group who you don't know very well. Maybe there's someone new you could welcome and show love. There shouldn't be any barriers to coming to youth group. No social, no racial, no financial barriers. 
So let me challenge you. Maybe over supper next week, you could talk to someone who doesn't go to your school. Maybe over supper next week, you could talk to someone who's in a different year group who you wouldn't usually. That would be a great way not to show favoritism. And it also means, like this verse says, that we don't judge other people. That is not for followers of Christ. We don't make fun of people whether they grew up in a Christian home or not. We don't make fun of people over whether they go to a public school or a private school. We don't make fun of people based on their mental illness or a disability or their race. That is not okay for Christians. Our youth group, our church, and God's family should not have favourites. Everyone should be welcomed in and be treated the same. So that brings us to our second point on the next slide, that favouritism is serious in God's eyes. Listen, my dear brothers and sisters, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him? And so what James is saying here is that God has chosen to invite all kinds of people into his kingdom, especially those who may be in a difficult financial position. But in reality, Jesus actually offers more than money can ever provide. Faith is a beautiful gift, so much better than anything money can offer you. And we're not going to look at them now, but in the next verses, James calls out the church at this time because they were treating the poor people really terribly. And he says to them, basically, that you guys are behaving like unsaved rich people. And that's not okay for followers of Christ. So what's the solution to this favoritism? This is going on in this church. We definitely have favoritism in the church today and in our youth group. What's the solution? Well, it's in verse 8. The solution is love. If you really keep the royal law found in scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. So favoritism, showing that unfair support to one another, is sinful. And the solution is love. Loving people how you would want to be treated. That's a, it's a really simple summary of how to be a Christian. It's love God and love others. That's what your life should be marked by. And that love should be visible in our lives. Other people should be able to see us making those choices. And we love as Christians because Christ first loved us. But favoritism is a sin and it is serious to God. But you might be thinking in your head right now, like the next slide, is it really that bad? Like favoritism. Like is it really that bad? Well, listen to this next verse, verse 10. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. Now, this verse goes against what our culture says. Our culture today says if you do good stuff and you do bad stuff, kind of like a scales, right? If you do more good than bad, you'll go to heaven, right? If the good stuff you do outweighs the bad, you go to heaven. But that's not true. This verse is saying that if you sin, if you show favoritism or do anything else, you're actually guilty of breaking all of God's laws. Now, why is that? Well, it's because God is so perfect and so holy that his standards are perfection and holiness. You know, 
Breaking one of them is breaking all of them. It's kind of like if you have poison in your food. If you have a little bit of poison or a lot of poison, it's still going to kill you. And so that leaves us in a pretty tricky point, but it's going to lead into our third and final point tonight, and that's that mercy triumphs over judgment. Verse 12 and 13 say, Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. If you weren't with us last week, we talked about how Jesus' way of life gives true freedom. Jesus' way of life gives us boundaries with a purpose. Jesus helps us to navigate life, to figure out the good from the bad, and figure out, help us to figure out how to give glory to God in what we do. So what is mercy? Mercy triumphs over judgment. <coughs> Excuse me. Mercy is treating someone in a way that they don't deserve. So it's compassion and kindness for someone who doesn't deserve it. Mercy is the teacher not giving you a detention when you forgot your homework. Mercy is the policeman letting you go free when you definitely sped 10 kilometres over the limit. And so James says here that we should be merciful because we know we have been given so much mercy from God. If you have faith in Jesus, then you have not been treated as you deserve. This is so important, guys. I want you to think about it this way. As something becomes more valuable the punishment for hurting that thing also becomes bigger. So if you step on an ant, the police won't arrest you. If you tread on a cockroach, the police aren't going to come to your house. But if you kill a dog, they might. And if you kill a human, they definitely will. And so if God is the most infinitely valuable being in the universe, then the punishment for hurting him is infinite punishment and judgment. But if you trust in Christ, then you're not treated as you deserve with infinite punishment. You are set free from sin and given grace and mercy and the offer of eternal life. God doesn't treat his children how we actually deserve. God gives us mercy when we should receive judgment. All the charges against us have been dropped. So because we know that we have received this, we've received this mercy from God, this outrageous mercy, then we should show that to others. We should give others mercy over judgment. Instead of being selfish and judging others and pointing out their mistakes and being critical, we should love, forgive, show mercy and grace. Blessed are the merciful, Jesus says, for they will be shown mercy. I don't know if you guys know, but Christians copy Christ. And Christ's life was filled with mercy, filled with grace and love to everyone he met. And we're not perfect at this. I'm not perfect at this. Our leaders aren't perfect. You guys aren't perfect. But God's Spirit will help us. He will help us to make the right decision, to be merciful and not judging. So a couple of last-minute ways that that could look in your life. Maybe you have a friend who's been a real jerk to you. The merciful thing to do would be to forgive, even though they don't deserve it. Maybe there's someone who's really judgmental in your life. 
but maybe you could choose to give them the benefit of the doubt. Maybe a sibling or a parent or a teacher, someone just snaps at you. Maybe you could not react and show them some grace. Mercy triumphs over judgment. We'll only understand this and we'll only be able to give that mercy when we understand how much we've been saved from and how much grace and mercy God has given us. Let's pray that he will help us do that. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your mercy. We thank you that you don't treat us how we deserve. I pray that there would be people here in this room tonight who hear that message and hear what they have the opportunity to be saved from and to be given grace, to be given eternal life. Lord, please be transforming us, helping us to realize how much we've been saved on, how beautiful your mercy and grace is, and help us to show that to others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.